Matthew 22, 34 through to verse 40. Amen. I'm just going to pray and ask God to help us as we get into his word this morning. Father, we come before you this morning. We're very grateful, Lord, for everything that you've done. And Lord, we just uh, appreciate everything that you did for us on the cross. And Lord, as we gather here uh, to hear your word, I pray that you would open every heart. And Lord, I'm asking, Lord, that you would bring revelation and rhema word uh, to people this morning. You know, indeed, where every heart is at. And I just pray, God, that you would speak to every person here this morning, bring encouragement, and I uh, pray uh, that you would uh, begin to strengthen every heart this morning. Lord, I pray, help me to preach. Help me behind the cross. Let your name be glorified. We give you all these. Uh, we ask all these things in your wonderful name. And everybody said this morning... Amen. In the name of Jesus. Matthew 22 in God's Word. I was uh, watching an interview uh, about a successful businessman, and uh, they were interviewing this guy, and they uh, begin to ask him questions because they were intrigued at how this guy had such dedication to his work. This guy would often give himself uh, hours upon hours, and he wouldn't get much sleep, and he was so dedicated to the cause of building his business, and he became very successful. And so the interviewer asked him the question, uh, how do you do this? How do you give so much time and energy and work into this? And it was interesting, he said these words, well, I don't see it as work. And then he mentioned these phrases, or maybe you've heard it before. He says, when you love what you do, it's not work at all. And when we think of the word work, like when somebody asks you, how was work today? Often our response is, oh yeah, you know how it is, it's, it's just work, right? And often what we're communicating is it's something that I need to do. It's something that I've got to do and, and uh, you know, to pay the bills and all these type of things, but... When it came to this man's mentality and his mindset to his work, it wasn't something that he had to do, but there was something stirring him and spurring him forward that he was willing to dedicate his whole life to it, that he considered it not work, but it was love. And I began to think about that, and I thought, if we're going to live for God long term, what is going to help us a great deal is having the right motivation of wanting to live for Jesus as opposed to, oh, it's something I have to do. Are you with me this morning? And I believe there are two different mentalities that we can have that can produce two different types of Christianity is one mindset can be, oh, this is something that I have to do. It's kind of like being born in a religious home, and, and I grew up in a Christian home from a Samoan background, and often the mentality is when it comes to church, it's something that I have to do. Therefore, it's kind of half-hearted in, in attending, there's no energy, there's no, there's no force behind it, and so therefore it produces a very joyless Christianity, right? It's something you don't really enjoy. Versus a mindset where the, the, the motivation is, is, is I want to live for God. I want to be in church and there's a willingness, there's an enthusiasm, there's a fire. And ultimately this produces a Christian life that is victorious and joyful. Amen. And who wants to, to enjoy the Christian life, right? We know there's ups and downs, hills and valleys, but we are more than conquerors. Can somebody say Amen. 
And God does want you and I to live a life, uh, not only that we can be conquerors, but to enjoy the Christian life. And one of the greatest motivators that is going to help you live for Jesus Christ uh, is love. And this is what this man was saying in this interview. What, what causes him to go the extra mile is he doesn't see it as work. Oh, I have to do this. But when you love what you do, it is not work. So I want to preach a sermon I've entitled, Loving What You Do, out of Matthew chapter 22, 34 to 40. If you have your Bibles, follow along with me. The Bible says these words, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, and saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Loving what you do. I want to consider firstly with you a Pharisee motivation. In the Bible, as you read about uh, these men who were called, you know, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, right? And this was a group of people who strictly followed the law of Moses that God gave to him. Now, the word Pharisee, the Hebrew word meaning for Pharisee, is called to be, is, is, means separate or detached, right? And this name came because this uh, was placed upon them because of how they interpreted the law of Moses, they begin to mix the law of Moses that God gave with Jewish traditions. This is how they begin to see it. And because of their interpretation of the law and their mindset, they begin to separate themselves by their own interpretation. And through that, they became very self-righteous, right? They begin to view themselves as higher than they should. And this produced in them a very prideful view of themselves, uh, that often led the Pharisees to caring about how they appeared in front of people and neglected the things and the issues that was going on in their hearts. They wanted to appear as, as, as holy people following the laws of God to a point that anyone who wasn't following strictly and observing the laws like they did or how they interpreted, they began to look down on them. And Jesus tells a parable about a Pharisee and a tax collector. And as you read the Bible, here it is. It, it, there's a Pharisee, he's praying, and he begins to say words. He begins to boast about himself. He says, you know, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. I tithe. I fast twice a week. I'm not like this tax collector. And so here he is, he's comparing himself, and we know the story that, that the tax collector didn't even lift his head towards heaven. He says, you know what, I'm a sinner. And Jesus, he begins to bring to our attention the two different mindsets. Is here's a Pharisee, his issue is they can do all the right things, but they're missing the heart of why they do what they do. To the point that one of the laws was to, to, to keep the Sabbath day holy, right? And the reason why God gave this in His law is so that there can be rest. Amen. Physical rest 
And uh, obviously, this is the first day of the week we are here to, to feed our spiritual soul, right? And we need spiritual rest. We need physical rest. That's what uh, uh, God did when He created the earth, right? He rested when? On the seventh day. And this was the law that God had given them, but the Pharisees took the Sabbath to a whole new level, to the point where they got upset because Jesus wanted to heal somebody on the Sabbath. They considered that work. They considered that, hey, listen, you're breaking the law. And and, and here it is in Mark chapter 3, 1 to 3. The Bible says, another time Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone, verse 4, then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? And so here in the mindset of the Pharisees, they're thinking, man, Jesus You're supposed to be resting on the Sabbath day. And if you heal this guy, you're breaking the law. And Jesus is saying, hey, listen, guys, I understand that. But you're missing the point. Are you saying you'd rather obey a law rather than me heal somebody? Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? And we know what happens is Jesus ends up healing this this man with the, the, the shriveled hand. And the Bible says that the Pharisees were so upset at this that this was a trigger where they all got together and said, you know what, we need to kill this guy. We needed to put him to death. Matthew 23, the Bible says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. So here's Jesus. He's rebuking the Pharisees. He's saying, listen, you guys tithe. And, and he said, you know, it's, it's good you do that. And the Pharisees, they were very meticulous. 10%, you know, of all that they had, nothing more, nothing less. It had to be exact. They would weigh it out. And so this is good. They're obeying God. They should do this. But here's Jesus said, you know what? You major in some areas, uh, But they're all weightier matters that you are neglecting. And he says, you know, you major with the tithe, but you don't major in having mercy for people. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? Is you don't show the same diligence for this, then the weightier matters like things like faithfulness. Matthew 23, 27, the Bible says, Woe to you, teachers of the law, Pharisees, hypocrites, you are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of bones, uh, of dead and everything unclean. You see, the problem with the Pharisees and their mindset and their motivation is they wanted to obey the law and strictly adhere to it, but they had no heart behind what they were doing. And what is true about the Pharisees can also be true for you and I as Christians this morning. In other words, we can do all the church things. We can tithe, we can serve, and all these things, uh, how many know you should do? Can I get an amen this morning? Is how many know we should pray, we should uh, dedicate our lives, uh, but we can do all these things without no heart, uh, no passion, and no love behind it. And what ends up happening 
is we continue to function like this, uh, and we can get good at functioning as Christians. (laughs) We know the right words to say. uh, We know the right things to do. uh, And what is meant to be a blessing to us, like being in church, uh, giving, uh, prayer, having a relationship with Jesus, uh, these things, instead of being a blessing, is it becomes a burden. Oh, man, church again. Seriously. Living right, loving people, they're doing my head in. Evangelism, now don't get me wrong, this is why we need discipline, it helps. When we have structure, it helps us to continue when motivation runs out, right? You can't just purely hang on to motivation. But the problem is, is when this becomes our whole Christian life, is we're purely now just functioning. And we begin to live a Christian life, but what goes on in the heart of many people is there's an inward mourn. Oh, man. And instead of Christianity being joyful and victorious, it becomes hard, joyless, Boring for some people, and people get burnt out, and this is where many people begin to drop out. Some backslide, pull out of service, pull out of being in the local church, and somewhere along the way, the steam goes out and the fuel isn't there anymore. And I want to tell you what birthed this sermon, I just preached it last week in our church, is here's this man, this this interview, he says, when you love what you do, it's not work at all. Think about that statement. When you love what you do, it's not work at all. And this so convicted my heart because I began to think, how is it that people who are unsaved give themselves to worthless things with such a dedication in their hearts, yet when it comes to me perhaps serving God and doing the things that God's called me to do, this can kind of be like, oh man... There can be a lack in dedication. Are you with me this morning? You know what I'm saying? And the trap we can all fall into is we can be functioning, but not loving it. There's no heart behind what we do. So I want to look secondly at the Jesus motivation. In our text, Jesus gives the answer to a question that was given to him. What is the greatest commandment? And his response shows us the the heart and motivation on why we live for God. And in verse 37, Jesus replies, he says, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I want you to notice with me this morning, I want you to focus in, is here Jesus says to love him with all your heart, mind, and soul, right? He says this is the first and greatest commandment. And then he says the second is equally important, right? It's to love your neighbor. And Jesus here, he's giving us a pattern. There's a first, then a second, right? But they are both equally important. One isn't better than the other, right? There's a a pattern, one and two, equally important. And the reason why Jesus said first to love the Lord your God with all your heart, then second, love your neighbor, the reason is this, 
is because you cannot truly love your neighbor without first loving God with all your heart. I mean, have you tried to love somebody and, and you know, there's no, there's no the love of God in you. It's, kind, it's just really hard. And here's Jesus, he's giving a pattern. You cannot love your neighbor with everything and serve and sacrifice if you don't love him with all of your heart. And the problem is, is we try to love our neighbor and do all the external and, and, uh, and function without loving God with all of our hearts. And again, what ends up happening is we do these things, we love our neighbor, serve, forgive, minister, and help, and we're functioning as a Christian should, but if we neglect the source that fuels this function, which is loving God with all of our heart, mind, and soul, is you can end up not loving what you're doing, you can lose passion, zeal, fire, and it becomes laborious. In other words, difficult, painstaking, arduous, strenuous. And yes, loving people is work. You know, if you, you pioneer a church, you understand there's lots of work involved. Outreaching, forsaking the flesh, all these things involves work. Uh, but if we have no heart behind this work, uh, it can quickly burn us out. Think of that statement again. When you love what you're doing, you don't work a day in your life. So how do we love God with all of our heart this morning? Is it praying? Is it coming to church? Is it reading your Bible? And, and partly, th but these are functions, right? But how do we do that? Now, the Apostle Paul, we know, was a man who had went through many trials and difficulties as a Christian. This man, he, he, Paul begins to explain that he is a hard worker, and he lists the problems and the issues that he goes through. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three. It says, are they, are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I faced dangers from rivers and from robbers. I faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced dangers in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I faced danger from men who claim to be believers, but are not. I've worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Now, how many know Paul's been through a lot of things? What, what a life, this hard work and all these trials and difficulties go on. And what was happening is many people, as they saw Paul going through this lifestyle, they begin to think, man... Uh, there's something wrong with this guy. How can he keep going on and living and being so dedicated in serving God? And the Corinthian believers thought that Paul was crazy. Like, how do you do this? How do you work so hard? And here's Paul. He responds to their question by saying this, and he gives you and I the fuel of why he does what he does. In 2 Corinthians 5, 13 to 14, he says to them, if we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. 
If we are in our right mind, it is for you. Verse 14, for Christ's love compels us. In other words, what got Paul motivated, what caused him to keep going on in trials, what caused him never to give up, but to power forward and work with everything that he had and love what he did, it was because God loved him. Not because he loved God. Amen. But because God loved him, that was his motivation. See, oftentimes we think, oh God, can't you see? I love you, man. Can't you see all these things I'm sacrificing for you? But no, here's Paul. He says, the reason why I do what I do is not because of my love for God. What fuels me is God's love for me. That's what compels me. Because if we're honest this morning, if everything we did was based on our love for God, (laughs) up and down, like what Pastor was mentioning, on the right side of the bed, oh man, I'm feeling good today. The Lord is my shepherd, King of kings, Lord of lords. We're just praying for people today, man. Boom, healing. God must love me now. I feel very close. We wake up on the wrong other side of the bed. God, man, that dream was messed me up. Outreach. And Paul understood the reason why he gave himself wasn't because of his love for God. What fueled him was God's love for him. And the reason why Paul understood God's love for him and why it was such a revelation and why he gave everything he did was because Paul understood what kind of a sinner he used to be. I'm going to know Paul, he used to murder peeps. I mean, he was stoning, you know, stoning Christians. He was set on doing this. But the moment that he got radically transformed and he realized and experienced the love of God, he thought, man, I am the worst sinner of all, yet God loved me? What? I mean, I'm a pretty wretched man. I've done some bad things in my life. But God, you love me and you're willing to forgive me? And Paul had such a revelation of this uh, that he began to write and say, you know what? Oh man, there's no height, uh, there's no width, uh, there's no depth, uh, there's nothing in earth that can ever separate me from the love of God because I know what kind of a sinner I am. And he had a revelation of this. uh, And the Bible says in Romans 8.30, here he is, he says, And I am convinced. Oh, are you convinced this morning? I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us uh, from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, uh, neither our fears for today uh, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell uh, can separate us from God's uh, love. And once Paul understood how much God loved him, this fueled everything that he did for God, this fueled his ministry, this fueled his sacrifice, uh, this fueled his dedication in plan churches and loving people and going to the nth degree and going the second and third and fourth mile and being in prison, being betrayed, what fueled him and kept him going, it wasn't his love for God, but it was God's love for him. Amen. Church, do you realize how much God loves you this morning? 
by sending His Son Jesus to be our substitute on the cross. Do you realize that God knows every single hair that is upon your head, the details that He knows about your life, that God loved you before you even loved Him back? What incredible love that is. He removes our sins as far as the east is from the west, that we're the apple of His eyes. His thoughts towards us are more numerous than the sand. Listen, if I'm going to be honest, for me to think of 10 nice things about someone can be difficult. But here's God. His thoughts towards us are more numerous than the sand. Zephaniah 3.17, it says, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With His love, He will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. He rejoices over you with joyful songs. Well, I mean, I thought that was pretty full on. Come on, that's, think about that this morning. People love it when they mention them in a song. Celebrities, you know, like, you know, I, I don't know, I'm, Call me the Babe Ruth of the rap game. You know what I mean? It's like, ooh, he is Babe Ruth. Ooh, drop the name. But here's God. He flips the script. He sings joyful songs about you this morning. And I want to tell you, as we understand just how much God loves us, I want to tell you, this will help fuel us and ignite passion and fire to where living for Jesus isn't a have to, but I want to with everything that I have. Because I know what kind of a sinner I am. Listen to that statement again. It's not work when you love what you do. 1 John 4.19, we love Him because He first loved us. So understanding our why helps us to love what we do. And you know what our why is this morning? It's because of God's amazing love for us. Amen. And because of God's amazing love, we understand now what love is. Because of what He's shown to us. That it was sacrificial. That it's long-suffering. How many people here, God's been patient with you? That it's patience. It's kindness. And as we understand that God has been gracious and patient and long-suffering with us, through that, we can now extend and show love to our neighbor the same way that God has shown us. You see, when you're in love, you'll do just about anything. I read a small story, and it goes like this. Last August, when I was attending university in Australia, an American exchange student moved into the room across the hall from me. We hit it off and spent the next three months enjoying our time together knowing that she had to leave and go back to the States at the end of her semester program. The day she left was the saddest day of my life. We sent two months apart, during which I flew down to Sydney. Got a visa, brought a plane ticket to the US. I do miss Australia. Listen to this. I do miss Australia, but every moment with her reminds me why I left. Here's this man, he, he said, you know what, I'm going to sacrifice, go to the other side of the world, and I miss Australia, but what fuels me is I remind myself of why I came. Listen to the statement again, when you love what you do, it's not work. So let's look thirdly and lastly, we're going to finish, 
on how do we stay in God's love, okay? How do we stay in God's love? Now, Jesus in his final moments with his disciples before his crucifixion, he tells them how they can stay in his love. And he wanted to tell them this because he knows that his disciples are going to face some pretty heavy persecution. I mean, he's going to be leaving them. He, he knows that they're going to be under tremendous pressure. And so he's saying, and listen, I want you to remember a few things. And one of the things that he wanted them to remember is that he loves them. John 15, 9 to 11, here it is. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. You see that connection there? The Father's love for him, through that, shows his love for them. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So the first step to staying in God's love is number one, is to know that God loves you already. Amen. Praise God for that. Jesus says, abide in his love. That word abide means to remain, to continue, or to stay. Now, for something to remain, it means you're already there, right? If I was to say, I want everyone to remain in their seats, that means to stay in that place where you are, right? To remain there. In other words, when it comes to abiding in his love or to remain, we have to understand, okay, number one, God already loves us. Listen, God loves you and I with a perfect love. Amen. In other words, his love for you and I is complete. It's not up and down like ours. Thank God for that. Oh, you know what? You didn't read your Bible today, mate. I don't, you know, my love for you has kind of gone down a bit. You witnessed the 10 people. Rah. The love's gone up for you. But God's not like that. His love for you and I is perfect, complete. There's a statement that I heard one day, and it was so, it so encouraged me. And it goes like this. God will never love you more than he already does right now. Think about that. God will never love you more than he already does. So it's important, number one, that we know that God loves us. And number two, how we remain in his love. Jesus tells us in John 15, verse 10, if you keep my commandments, everyone say keep. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Okay, now stay with me. What are the commandments? What's he talking about? Well, let's go back to our main text. Matthew 22, 37 to 40. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. First commandment. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 40, on these two commandments, notice that, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now when Jesus says on these two hang all the law, He's talking about the two greatest commandments that he just told us about, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor. And then he says, from these two, hang all the law. Well, what's the law? What's he talking about? He's talking about the law of Moses. All 613 laws, right? The Ten Commandments. And so when Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor, from these two, hang all the law, What he's saying is, instead of it being, looking at the law as, thou shalt not have any gods before me, what what, what Jesus is trying to shift in them 
is he's saying, it's not just the Lord, thou shalt have no other gods before me. But he says, when you love me with all of your heart, you're not going to want to put other gods before me. Everything hangs from those two laws. It's, it, it, when it comes to the law, thou shalt not worship an idol. It's not just that, but what Jesus is saying, when you love me with all of your heart, the natural outflow is, is you won't want to worship idols. You won't want to worship your car. You won't want to worship uh, your house. You won't want to worship uh, money, uh, all these things. Uh, and instead of the Lord just being, thou shalt not murder, but the heart is, uh, is when I love God with all of my heart, uh, and as I love my neighbor as uh, myself, uh, the natural outflow is, is I don't want to murder. I don't want to have hate in my heart. Amen. This is the heart behind it, uh, and it's from these two law, uh, these two commandments hang uh, all of the law. Everything flows out of that. Loving God, it flows on. And loving God comes from knowing how much God loves you. So what are some things that will help us stay fueled? Three things I want to give us this morning. And uh, I believe these are things that we have to continually draw from. Like, this is not just a one-time thing, but this is a daily discipline that we have to place in our lives So how do we stay fueled in God's love? Number one is bring yourself to the cross daily. In other words, we're talking about having personal communion. Now, I'm not saying get the bread and get the juice and every morning you're just having this. But why do we have communion? It's to reflect upon the body and the blood of Jesus. It's to reflect upon the sacrifice uh, that Jesus did for you and I on the cross. Uh, And listen, every day when you get with God, uh, as you begin to have personal communion, as you bring yourself uh, in a reflection, you know what, God, man, Jesus, you gave your body on the cross. Uh, You shed your blood uh, to wash away my sins. Uh, I want to tell you, you know what this does? This helps you to stay thankful and grateful. Amen. I was speaking to uh, Brother Daniel uh, uh, on Friday night. uh, and uh, he's been uh, safe, well, before I was even born, and, uh, for a long time. And I'm always intrigued, how does someone still serve God, love what they're doing uh, all of these years? You know, he's seen it all. Seen the ups and downs. Uh, uh, I'm sure he's had personal trials in his own faith. Uh, and as I'm speaking to him, he said, what keeps you going? And he says, you know what? It, it, it's just gratitude. Gratitude and never forgetting that Jesus saved me a sinner. And that is what fuels him through the ups and downs, uh, through all the trials and tribulations of life, uh, is you and I coming to to bring ourselves to the cross uh, and thinking, you know what? If it wasn't for the body and the blood of Jesus, listen, I would be lost uh, and messed. uh, I would be broken and I would definitely be on my way to hell. But because Jesus loved me so much and gave himself, you know what? Uh, Thank you, Jesus. I'm grateful for that. uh, And it's keeping that posture daily is what's going to help fuel you living for God. So number one, bring yourself to the cross. And number two, remember from where Jesus brought you out from. Exodus 13 verse 3, so Moses said to the people, this is a day to remember forever. The day you left Egypt, the place of your slavery, today the Lord has brought you out by the power of his mighty hand. If you are a new convert here this morning, I want to encourage you, don't ever forget where Jesus 
has brought you out from. Maybe you're a seasoned Christian here. Same thing applies to you. Don't ever forget what God has brought you out from. Sometimes you have to take yourself back and think about the empty days. Because how we know the devil often likes to remember us of the good days, of the mad times that you were like in the club and everyone was like, hey, what's up, my man? He's like, yeah, they acknowledge me. They know. <laughs> he wants you to remember all the good times, but he doesn't remind you of the bad and empty times when you broke, looking down a toilet bowl, spewing your guts out, being broke on Monday and think, man, how am I going to pay for my bills? I just spent it all Sunday. And as you remind yourself, it's like, man, I was so lost. Thank you, Jesus, for where I am today. That's going to help you and keep you humble. Remember from where you come from. And number three, I'm finishing with this, continue to fill yourself with the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, fill your life with God. Give Him everything. Everything that you have. And I want to encourage you, when we do these things, this will help fuel us to remember how much He loves us. And in return, we begin to love Him. And the outflow of that is to love our neighbor. And we will be willing and wanting to, all, to do all that God wants us to do because our life is no longer our own been bought with a price because God loved you and I. Amen. When you love what you do, it's not work at all. Let's all bow our heads this morning. Let's close our eyes. We're going to pray. We're going to ask God to help us this morning. Love what you do. Amen. As we Change the order of our service this morning. We do this at every service, but maybe you're here, you're not right with God, you're not saved, you're lost, you're broken. I want to tell you, friends, sin will send you to hell. But the Bible says in John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That whoever would believe in Him will not perish, but would have eternal life. Friend, God gave His best for you and I. That is Jesus Christ. And our sin, our wrongdoing will send us to a devil's hell. But God has done everything to rescue. And today you want to turn your life around. You want to repent. You want to turn from living your own life. You know that living your own way is leading you to emptiness and brokenness and unfulfillment. But today you want to say, you know what? I'm a sinner. I want to be born again. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want my life to have purpose. I want it to have meaning. Friend, it's not found in the world. It's found in Jesus. And this morning you want to give your life to Jesus. You want to surrender. You want your sins forgiven. I want you to do one thing this morning. I want you to lift your hand with mine and say, you know what, I want to make that decision today. How many people would there be front to back, side to side, and say, yes, that's me. I want to pray. Amen. Lift up your hand this morning.
Amen. Yes, I see the hand. Yes, 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 I see the hand. Honest people this morning. How many more would there be? Joy of these honest hearts. God's moving on you this morning. You know, man, I, my life is, is heading me down to a train wreck. Yes, I see that hand. Anyone else this morning? You want to turn your life to Jesus Christ. You're burning the wheels. You're running out of ideas, running from God. Listen, today God loves you, gave everything for you. You don't have to be perfect to come to Him. You just have to humble yourself and acknowledge, I need Jesus. Today, join these honest hearts. Say, yes, that's me. I want to pray. How many more would there be? Lift it up. Come on, God's moving on your heart this morning. How many more would there be? Lift it up nice and high where I can see it. Backslider, you want to come home. Lift up your hand. Yes, I see that hand. Amen. Honest people this morning. Backslider, come home. Turn back to Jesus. God loves you. Lift up your hand this morning. How many more would there be? Backslider. You want to repent? Yes, I see that hand. Amen. How many more would there be? You're thinking, man, I think I've done too many wrong things. But I want to tell you this morning, God loves you with a perfect love. Bible says that He loved you and I and sacrificed His life. It says that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. He knew that you would reject. He knew that you would live in sin. He knew that you would bring home, maybe flip the bird to Him. He knew that all in advance. And He said, you know what? I'm still going to die for you, man. I still love you. Today, backslider, come back home, lift up your hand and say, you know what? I want to come back to the Father. Lift up your hand. Amen. We're going to move on. Amen. My final call, lift up your hand. Backslider. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right. Those that lifted up their hands, I want you to look at me this morning. I want you to lift up your head. Amen. Amen. Sister, you meant that? Amen. Brother over here, you meant that? Those that you meant that at the back there? Yep. All right, over here. Okay. Those that lifted up their hands, I want you to come forward. I want you to come to this altar. And uh, someone's going to come and pray for you. Amen. God bless you. Amen. It takes humility. Amen. God bless you for doing that. Amen. Right there. Both your knees. Amen. Now both your knees right here. God's going to pray. Uh, brother's going to pray with you. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yes, sister over there. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. I want to now talk to believers and address the, all of us this morning. How's your walk with God going? And yes, we need to be disciplined and sometimes we can lose the passion. And I'm not saying we should throw in the towel. That's it. No more motivation. I'm not going to come to church anymore. No, we need to be disciplined and continue to press forward. But what is so important that we have to continually remind ourselves of why we do what we do. Let love fuel everything this morning. Why do you do what you do? Maybe you're just functioning, but there's an inward groan in your Christianity. Maybe on the outside, you seem to be enjoying it, but inside, it's, it's such a struggle. You, 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 all these things. Listen, I want to encourage you. You need to come to the cross. God loves you this morning. Amen. I want to open up these altars. Amen. God's moving upon your heart. Why don't we all stand in this place? Uh, let's come to this altar. Let's pray. And let's begin to say, you know what, God, uh, forgive me of just kind of just functioning and doing half-hearted. And maybe God's been challenging you this morning or maybe challenging you for a long time. And maybe you've been neglecting. 
But I want to tell you, God gave His best for us. And in return, we should give Him everything that we have. God loves you this morning. Let's lay hold of God. Let's pray. Holiness, holiness is what I long for. Holiness is what I need. Amen. You pray to the Lord this morning. You be real with Him. heart of gratitude. Maybe you begin to be ungrateful. Maybe you're just questioning God about the decisions He's doing or maybe allowing in your life. You're thinking, God, do you even love me? Do you even care what I'm going through? Listen, God will never love you more than He already does. Settle it in your heart. God loves you this morning. Gave everything for you. If you've had a revelation of that this morning, make a commitment at this altar and say, you know what, God? You deserve everything. I'm going to give everything that I have. You deserve it all. Make a commitment at this altar. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. To yours, to yours, oh Lord. Yes, to yours, to Holy Spirit, you speak. Holy Spirit, have your way this morning on this altar. Oh, ignite the flame. Maybe you're flirting with the idea of just throwing in the ministry. Maybe you're throwing in the idea of not wanting to sacrifice it. Maybe you're coming to the end and saying, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. I encourage you this morning, begin to remind yourself of the blood Begin to remind yourself of the body that Jesus gave for you. Because He wants a relationship with you. Oh, Father, we thank you this morning. We love your name, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. And for me. stand right here. Let's sing this song. Let's sing it out to the Lord. Holiness, holiness is what I long for. Sing it out to Jesus. Holiness is what I need. Holiness, holiness is what you want from me. Yes, sing it out, church. Take my heart. Take my heart. Take my mind, transform me, take my 
give God praise this morning, church. Let's begin to thank Him this morning. Yes, Jesus, we worship you, Lord. We give you praise. Lord, we worship and we magnify you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. Oh, God, we thank you for your grace.